Hey everyone, just a brief cold open before today's episode to let everyone know that our podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher, and it's been on iTunes and Stitcher for many weeks now, and we haven't actually mentioned it, so that might be a better way to listen to the episode. It might be a little bit more convenient, so go check that out if you'd like. Thanks, hope you enjoy the episode. Today we're here to welcome Clarissa Sitt. Welcome, Clarissa. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm an associate professor at St. Mary's University in Halifax. Uh, I've been there for three years and I've been having a really great time so far. Um, so, so we're really excited to have you. So I guess we'll jump right into the questions then. First of all, we'd love to know a bit about your academic background and um, maybe after that, why did you choose to pursue academics? Um, so I did my BSc honors degree in pharmacology at the University of Alberta and then I did a PhD in chemistry um, also at the University of Alberta with a, a fantastic supervisor named John Vetteris uh, and then after that I uh, did a postdoctoral fellowship at Harvard Medical School under the supervision of John Clardy and this was in the area of biological chemistry. So you did research in the medical school. Can you mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, right, so the um, Harvard Medical School is, a, is actually, in addition to having the program for training medical students, they also have a whole cluster of researchers in different areas including microbiology and chemical biology um, molecular pharmacology, that sort of thing, okay. and each of their labs have a whole host of graduate students and postdoctoral fellows, and we all um, were there basically doing more research and, okay. and working on projects of interest to us. That's really cool. Not something that I'd really consider looking into for a postdoc at a medical school, but that definitely sounds like something that would be up my alley. Yeah, no, for sure. It's kind of like how um, NASA does postdocs, too, which you never think of being an option. Oh, but... man, I want to do a postdoc at NASA. That sounds <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a really great list of, uh, of educational accomplishments. So now you're a professor at St. Mary's. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your current research? Okay, so um, in terms of my current research, there's sort of different ways to describe it. Uh, the way I would present it to the general public uh, is a little bit different than how I would describe it to, to somebody who works in my field. So I've done sort of a three-minute uh, public pitch before, uh, and I described my research as cage fighting for microbes. Um, and so it's kind of like getting different bacteria or different germs to fight it out against each other. And so what we do in our research group is we force two different microbes to grow in a very tight space and see if they are going to do battle with each other. Right. And when we do that, what we're looking for is we're trying to figure out if one or even both of them are sort of producing chemical warheads or, or chemical weapons against each other. And we're interested in figuring out what those are and whether we can sort of use them as new antibiotics or new drugs um, for use in, in human health. Right. That's a super cool description. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I just ask? Um, yeah. When you said it was a three minute public talk, is that like a three minute thesis kind of thing? Did kind of. I, mean, I did it as a prof, right? Right. But, yeah. Uh, St. Mary's has a an annual uh, research day. Okay. And so as part of that, there's a the first sort of hour you get we get different professors who go up there and do a three minute description 
of their research. No need. Okay. And uh, we were allowed to, I think, put up like one or two slides, but that's it. So right, it was yeah. very much for for the general public, and it also had a lot of government officials there as well. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Um, so so cool. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but like you know, in, for to discuss that research in a more sort of co- like scientific level with with other colleagues, the technical terms would be that we basically we do chemical ecology in our lab as a route to discovering new natural products. I, I actually really appreciate that you started with the basic description because I've never heard of chemical ecology before. Mm-hmm. 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 So is that is that kind of a special kind of? So it's 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 basically looking at organisms that live in the same ecological niche or the same right. space. Um, and seeing what kind of chemistry they produce. So the molecules that they secrete could be signaling molecules to each other or to other species, or it could be a way to sort of um, attack competitors. And so if you think about if you are, say, a fungus growing in the woods and you need certain resources, you're going to try to sort of outgrow and eliminate anything that is closely competing with you for the same resources. Right. So it's kind of like a biochemical competition experiment. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So that's, I mean, it, evidently your research is objectively really cool, I think. <laughs> um, but why Thanks. did you choose to Thanks. go into it? I really am fascinated by my current area because it's it's a natural evolution from sort of my PhD work and my postdoctoral work. And I just find it really interesting to sort of discover and see what microbes are capable of. Um, We're basically learning more about them every day, which is really cool. It's neat to sort of examine uh, what kind of cool chemistry they get up to, right? So they can do all sorts of funny things that, uh, even in in, whether in the lab or in their natural environment, that chemists don't usually dream up of in the lab, right? Um, But in terms of, in general, why I got into academics and research is I think for three reasons. I, I really, I love research because I enjoy the chase. Right? So when you get entangled into a project that you find really interesting, it's like it's like a pursuit. So I, I really sort of enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And especially when you, when you stumble on a step that actually works. Oh yeah. Right, and you kind of get an adrenaline rush. I, I, I really enjoy that. And uh, as a, uh, being a, an academic professor, I, I enjoy that because I really like working with students. Okay. Um, in the lab, and I also I also love teaching students too, and largely because I really enjoy kind of seeing their potential and trying to figure out what where they're going to go with it. And then I also I kind of like being my own boss. Mm-hmm. So there's a well, I mean obviously professors answer to other people, and we have to pull in funding and all these other things. But for the most part, you kind of get to decide what you want to do, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Definitely an advantage of that. Career, oh, for sure. Something I'm looking into for sure. Yes, yeah. Um, so, what does a typical work day look like for you? Yeah, I, when you saw when I saw that question, I was like, well, there really isn't a typical work day for me. Yeah. Uh, so that's also kind of the great thing is that then I don't come in expecting sort of nine to five, just just doing the same thing or sitting at my desk. Right. Things always kind of change change up from day to day. So. 
I would say every day is full of variety and full of different challenges. So, you know, sometimes there are, are mundane and sort of tedious tasks that you have to get through, uh, sort of administrative stuff, and, you know, sometimes there's lots of meetings, but uh, there are also lots of times where I find it very stimulating and fun and rewarding, right? So it's great to especially uh, uh, mentor students in the lab where we sort of talk about what they're doing with the research and what they've tried and, and uh, you know, kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. That's sort of the best part of it, I think. Awesome. Um, sorry, can I ask, just ask a spin-off question sure. from that? Um, how much time do you spend in the lab yourself, if at all? I don't do any of the lab work, okay. right? And so I go into the lab with my lab coat on because my students want to show me like petri dishes right. and stuff like that and say, what do you think about this activity essay mm -hmm. or what do you think is happening here? So, but in terms of the actual lab work, I don't, I don't, I do zero. <laughs> is, is that by choice or by necessity? I think it's by necessity. I, you know, I would say, you know, some days I feel like it's a little bit by choice because I did spend, you know, right. for the for the most part, 14 years working in labs. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you know, some days I really do miss it as well. I think the issue with a lot of research is that it needs continuity. And so it's good to sort of be in the lab five days a week or just to like keep it going right. basically. And so uh, it's if you if you're a prof and you you can only be in the lab, you know, half a day out of an entire week, then it's hard to sort of yeah. keep anything going. Yeah, yeah. So you obviously, um, in addition to the research, a lot of administrative stuff. I can imagine mm -hmm. a lot of. I, I mean, I don't exactly. I, I obviously don't know what it's like to be a professor, but I'm imagining it's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest surprise for me was sort of the management side of things, not necessarily managing people. Um, I've worked in really large research groups before, and so sort of, and I've had different roles in those groups from being like a senior graduate student to a postdoc. You sort of uh, start to get experience with how do you work with different people and how do you supervise different people. That's okay, but uh, it's more the sort of financial management side of things that, that usually surprises me. I'm like, oh, I should pay attention to this. Yeah. <laughs> There's a budget and all these other things that that um, that that is quite a bit different than than what our our academic training is, right? Because yeah. we spend a lot of time doing research and science and doing coursework, etc. Yeah. Um, it's it's the other side of it that that uh, is new and different for I think most profs. And so it's it's yes, you 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 get to be your own boss, but it's like, it's like being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You have to, it's not as risky as being an entrepreneur, but you do have to, to pay attention to the money side, the people side, um, and then, and then the science. Right. Sounds worthwhile though, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing a little bit about your background and what you're doing now, has that always been the plan for you? And if not, how well have you kind of been sticking to the plan or is there a plan at all? Uh, yeah, so I would say that when I was an undergrad for the first three years or so, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. I think that I, even after, say, second year or during second year university, I already thought that maybe I want to be a professor. Um, this is also through sort of personal connection. My older brother is a, is a professor in engineering, so I kind of um, saw him sort of going through the process and thought, hey, this, this might be a, a way for me to go as well. But at the time, I wasn't sure uh, what subject area to stay in. I thought that, uh, you know, maybe I would stay in a medical science field because I was doing pharmacology. 
and uh, when third year rolled around, uh, after I think it was it was after my third year that summer, I worked for John Vetteris as a summer student, and I had such a good time in his lab um, that I thought that you know maybe I want to switch to chemistry. But at that point, I was already three years into my undergrad. And so I said, you know what, let's just continue on. Let's finish the pharmacology degree. Let's do the honors project in pharmacology. And just, you know. Um, and I applied to grad school, and they got me in um, to the chemistry department. But that was sort of that. So I sort of switched fields, right. um, which also meant that I did some of the um, grad courses in chemistry without the prereqs. Oh. It was right. terrifying and fun, um, but it worked out. It was fine. Um, my grades were fine, so I got to carry on, and uh, I had a really, really good time in my PhD. There was there were periods where it was really stressful, but overall, it, it you know things eventually panned out. I kind of stuck to my projects, and and there was a little bit of luck, so that like things sort of worked out, and I, I was able to publish a few papers, and you know. So my PhD was an excellent experience, and my mentor was was fantastic at at um, sort of pushing me beyond what I thought my limits were, which was really great. Like I actually accomplished a lot more than I thought I I was capable of. And then I got to my postdoc, and it just it was much longer than I thought it would be. So I spent five years in my postdoc, and it was uh, part of it was that the first couple the first project I worked on wasn't really panning out I was really struggling with it um, and so there were there were just a lot of challenges in the lab but also just sort of it kind of takes a toll on your mental health as well right so it's that was that was frustrating and then I spent the last half of my postdoc looking for a job at the same time as continuing to do research so um, that took a lot longer and it was um, a lot harder than I thought it would be but it worked out because I got a job and and uh, was more than happy to move to Halifax. Yeah, so um, speaking of jobs, now that you've got your, your nice uh, professor position, you're your own boss, you run your own lab, um, so obviously there's students that work in your lab. So uh, what kind of students do you think would be best suited to work in your lab? So I think that uh, um, the students that are best suited to work in my lab are people who are highly curious and um, you know, sort of like to explore. So because we do natural products discovery and we work with um, a lot of environmental microbes, it's about kind of what you find. Um, and so I encourage my students to sort of, um, I'll give them I'll give them a project to work on or a set of strains, but I do encourage them to sort of play with it. Um, and it, sometimes that involves sort of designing bioassays that actually work better for the strains that they're given or how they, depending on how the bacteria or how the fungus grows, all the way to, you know, if you have a different idea, you're welcome to try it out. And if it, if something looks promising, you can kind of go chase after it. So people who are sort of curious and just like to play around, uh, that's a really sort of good type of student to, to have in my lab. I also do I'm sure a lot of PIs would say this too. It would be great to have an independent learner, but you know, that's you can't always um, get that in everybody. But um, uh, but it, not necessarily just independent, but somebody who's just not afraid to try new things. Because then I guess the the takeaway, you know, after somebody's been in my lab as a summer student or 
an honor student or or a graduate student is that um, I want them to know at least know that it's possible to learn a whole panel of different like lab techniques um, everything from you know being able to grow and work with microbes uh, genetically sequence them um, figure out what genes they're expressing all the way to sort of the chemistry side which includes like HPLC purification mass spec NMR um, so it's sort of like using the techniques you need to tell or figure out the story that's kind of in front of you I love that your work spans like all the way from like pretty much strictly biology to all the way strictly chemistry and characterization and stuff. That's yeah. a really yeah. great place. I think in at least if, if it were me, I think it would be a really great place to sit where you can kind of pursue all of these different avenues and never feel like you're you're boxed into one particular yeah. thing. That you're yeah, doing. yeah, and so it's I sort of uh, it, and I have a mixture of chemistry students and biology students, so they it's good to have them interacting with each other as well. Mm-hmm. Because I really would like to encourage them to not see the boundary between subjects. Yeah. Okay, so it's like if you have a cool story in front of you, tell that story. Mm. Okay, so this is one of my favorite questions to ask everyone, and I'm going to continue to ask it uh, today. So what would you consider to be your metric for success? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Uh, in terms of metrics of success, I, I would sort of not just apply that to students, but apply it to myself. And, and, and I think that success is, is about sort of being able to learn something new, you know, frequently enough, maybe not on a day-to-day basis, but the idea being that you, you kind of push the boundaries of, of what you know and what, what we collectively know as a, um, as a society. And also um, another metric of success is just general self-improvement. Um, I think all of us are always working on something, whether it's behavioral or physical or or intellectual. Um, but um, always being able to to sort of push yourself to to improve is important, and and not just for the sake of being smarter or being stronger or whatever. But I always think that if you better yourself, it makes it such that you can better serve others. Right, and so um, if. If you can make yourself a stronger person, then it's easier for you to help others in your job or as a um, as a person in, in in friendships or relationships and things like that. So I think that that that's really important to me and is a is a measure of success. Um, and then and then also in terms of the the academic and research side, it is uh, really about being able to tell an interesting and complete story, right? And so the academic metric of success is publications mm-hmm. but the publications what they actually are is telling a story mm-hmm. right and so even if a student discovers or uh, you know after he or she has done all this work and finds that oh this microbe is actually just making penicillin mm-hmm. or something like that right like oh, okay it's already known this is disappointing should I just scrap it um, but if you started that project based on uh, a story that's interesting in terms of ecology oh well, we were looking for something that would help kill this pathogen that then protects honeybees or something like that, then even if you found penicillin, it's still, it's still well, okay, it works in the context of the story, so right. we can still tell it, right? Um, and so I'm always encouraging students to, uh, to do that, right? Not just work on research for the sake of doing science or doing research, but like, are we, are we telling a, an important or, or interesting story? 
really like the way of looking at it like that because obviously it sounds like when you read a publication it sounds like wow well, look at all the success that you've had but really it's just you know look at how well you're able to tell the story and if mm-hmm. you look at it like that then your failures don't really seem so much like yeah at yeah, least yeah. that's what I like yeah. to think because a lot yeah. of the time my work ends in failure quote-unquote yeah um, but it's just part of the story yeah exactly and, and a, a lot of times too in, in scientific publications they're only they're cherry-picking their results to make it to make the story look the best it can look, but sometimes mm-hmm. you know the, the mm-hmm. less than optimal results are part of the story. Right, right. And so I, in in our group, a lot of the failures or the things that didn't work will guide you towards, you know, that story as well. So even even in our lab, if we if we publish something, um, you know, ninety five percent of the stuff that didn't work is obviously not going to yeah. really end up in the paper. But but that all of that failing was what got us to to the point we were at so at least you can put it in your thesis exactly yeah (laughs) okay good awesome um can you tell us a little bit about about your other interests and hobbies now Um, we've we've talked thoroughly about the uh, the work side of things uh my hobbies are kind of they're all over the place which is kind of fun um i really love to bake so uh, that's probably a natural extension of of chemistry but actually i just always loved food as a child Mm. so um baking and cooking were were that sort of that that great outlet also love folding origami um and doing like sort of arts and crafts but origami was the main one uh knitting i love love to knit i play squash and i love to hike those are very diverse hobbies yes they're very different i mean i haven't heard of origami for a really long time i i used to be super into that but yeah yeah I, i used to be able to do those cranes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah. I can maybe make a box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, it's it's also it's great for um, uh, depth perception and, and and just being able to visualize three D space. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which so. is also useful in chemistry. Yeah. It is very definitely. useful in chemistry. It all yeah. ties in. Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um. So is there? Uh, I wanted to ask. So. I always ask people if they have either like a random trivia fact, and often people struggle to come up with like the best trivia fact that's totally okay if you don't want to but um, alternatively is it something like particularly that you're into these days be it like a book or like um, you know song or something like that or, or I, don't, I don't not not particularly I think I, I do like to think about um, the what I w- where I would go or what I would do next after academia so if I'm blessed with a with the long life where I, I'm still sort of physically and, and intellectually capable, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what I do by the time I get close to retirement. Okay? And so a lot of thoughts about doing something that's more sort of nonprofit or um, more charity based or, or something that's, that's, that's not just about the science and the research where we, we do try to work on, on interesting and important projects. Um, but it would be good to sort of move more to towards something that is more humanitarian or more um, uh, more to do with, say, protecting the environment or something okay. like that. Would it be more like exploring like nonprofit research type things, or would it be more like I'm going to go plant trees for a while or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's it could be it could be you know having a spinoff business or or you know eventually going off to work for like a non-government organization mm-hmm. or something I don't know but that's, uh, really cool. that's always sort of in the back of my mind mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that we're all, you know, trying to help humanity, but I like that there's a more direct way of doing it, you know? Yeah. If you, and especially like an academic career, you get to explore a bunch of different avenues, but if you get a chance to do things after, then I agree that would be yeah. a cool thing to do. What, here's maybe, um, maybe this might be off the record, but when is, um, when is retirement for academics? <laughs> so I think it's, it depends on the institution. I feel like in Canada, most institutions have um, done away with mandatory retirement. It used to be you had to retire at 65, and that is no longer the case. So it's, they sort of leave it up to academics to stay if they want to, um, or go if they, if they want to go. Some people will retire early. So once they've they've um, sort of hit the ma- or uh, hit the, the the service time to get their pension, um, you know, and I I don't even know all the mechanics of how how that works. But usually, if you, I think if you if you start your your academic career and you you work for say thirty years, twenty five years, thirty years depends on the institution, um, you're eligible for a full pension. Some people will just take off right right at that point. Other people will just you know, work until you basically kick them out. <laughs> right? So, um, but, uh, you know, after a while, you might think about doing something different. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm already tired. I've been doing this for like five years. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was really great talking to you today. Um, lots of awesome insights, and, and it's, it's, it's always uh, good to hear a little bit about, about our other universities, not just Al. Oh, yeah. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to tell us? Yeah, so I, I would say that the, the best part of my job is working with students, whether it's teaching them in a class um, or mentoring them in the lab. And I am most interested in, in encouraging students to sort of um, find their potential or, or sort of reach their sort of goals. Because I feel like, you know, I'm done my training, and so now it's my job to provide an environment for the students who are learning and still developing. Um, because we, we, we need everybody to be successful. We need everybody to be able to contribute to um, our society and to, to make it better, to, um, to help reverse some of the, the things that are happening to our environment, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so I think that's the, the, the greatest part of, of being a PI, um, is, is uh, coaching other people so that they, they can go to where they're, where they're going. I have to say, I'm, I really appreciate that you you brought up the environment a couple times. I really appreciate that this is like kind of the future of research. It's definitely the most important thing. And I like that, um, especially in this program, all of us are doing bioactives research. And I, I feel like, you know, in some way or another, using biology to approach problems like this is inherently like an environmental approach. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really appreciate that we're able to put some focus on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Clarissa. It was really great to have you. It was great to have you as our first PI interviewee. Um, is there anything else you want to say to the people? I noticed there was a poster like advertising the Bioactives program in the LSC today. Really? This has nothing to do with anything, but yeah. Man, what's Nathan and been up to? <laughs> I think she's editing this one. There's, there's, there's also one outside the, um, like the elevator in chemistry, right by oh. the, yeah. I didn't know that you could just do that. We'll talk to Nazan in later. (laughs) Um, Thanks very much for listening, and you'll hear from us next time. Okay, I'm trying to decide whether I should say. We don't want to make it obvious that this is an advertisement for the program, so maybe (laughs) I shouldn't say that.
Okay. 